How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It's time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I was giving Johnny Lucas the thumbs up. That's why I was distracted for a moment, Lynn. So, what's going on in your world? Um, Do you have any shout-outs? No. I mean, Aww, come let's on. just give a shout out to every wonderful person who continues to listen to us okay. on a weekly basis because we appreciate it. Yeah, there are I don't those think folks. I think we need to discuss that because really and truly it means a lot when we hear all these people who tell us and to just see the ratings and to see where we're at and mm-hmm. we thank you and especially to all you wonderful guys out there because we know that they are the majority of people who listen. We so know we you're love listening. them. We know you. <laughs> and we love we love boys. So, um, anyway, thank you for that. And mm-hmm. you'll never in a million years guess. Well, you know, so you don't have to guess. But as I told you what I did on Father's Day, mm-hmm. for the sake of love, mm-hmm. the things you do for love. I could sing now. The things you do for love. All right, thank you. Don't do that. Um, so, like walking in the rain. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to give me those things. Earworms. Um I actually went, hold on to your seats because this is <laughs> such an oxymoron. It's so not her. <laughs> to the Noxon Rattlesnake Roundup. There, I said oh, it. Oh, God. The words came out of your oh. mouth. <laughs> I actually, Meyer wanted to go. I don't know why. I still to this minute don't know. I think he just, I think he really just wanted to see if I would comply with his Father's Day wish okay. of going. And, of course, it's Father's Day. You have to do what you're asked, just as I expect on Mother's Day, which lasts Since all when? the time. Since it's when only do you do fair. It's all, I never oh, do, but for please. Father's Day, I'll do it. All right. Um, seriously, as I told you, Meyer is not my children's father, but he has been a father-like figure for 13 years in their life, and mm-hmm. he has been very important in in their lives and Mm -hmm. it's important to me so on father's day that's how i look at it and my father god bless him is no longer with us so i went to the rattlesnake roundup (sighs) (laughs) but it wasn't bad we got decent parking um it was very carnival-esque minus the rides because there Uh were a few little kitty rides and there was a huge motorcycle section so tons of bikers were there of course there was a like a corralled off beer area which is close to where the bikers were of course and um then people in their family there were all like typical carnival food vendors mm-hmm. i don't know that they were necessarily vendors or if they're done by the fire department because that's where this is but 
it was very nicely done. People were very nice. Uh, then they had the pit and like kind of bleachers where you watch these snakes, which I still to this minute don't really understand because they were coiled up and hissing. That's another song I could sing. Now. <laughs> but um, they were... They, they literally were like pushed against trees or they were like squirming their way along the fence and I'm like and there were little ones too so I'm like mm-hmm. can't they get out and Meyer's like no look at them so and then the, the handlers were were holding them and the kids it was amazing how many little kids were fascinated and not afraid of these scary things but I don't understand what was the point. I don't know what either. May, there might be some bet. We didn't stay. We stayed for about 45 minutes. Um, and it was it was fine because we, we saw what it was. We, you know, we came, we saw, we didn't conquer, but, you know, we were there. And it was neat in the sense that people love this stuff. And all different kind of people were there, yeah. so, which was really neat. But um, Well, I know it's a fundraiser for the fire department, yeah, and they count and, on that every year. But yeah. other than that... I don't get it. What do they do? I think they, do they round them up. I think they go out and get them because it said in the paper during the week that it was a record-setting year. Of course, probably because I was there. Of course. But there was <laughs> record-setting, I don't mean for attendance, but the fact that they found so many copper neck, is that copperhead. what they copperhead, whatever they are? Yeah. Copperhead snakes, and there were and 20 rattlers. non-venomous and... So I guess the type of snakes that they rounded, they were able to round up, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if they go and get them and put them in this thing. I don't know. Somebody could they maybe do. tell us. But then they're all over the place. And I mean, there were some big suckers. And then some really uh, some tiny over ones. five feet long. I oh saw my the God. pictures. They were, and wide, like yes. real big guys. It yeah. was amazing. And of course, then it gave you snake facts, like 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 a lot of people we know, you, they don't mate for life, you know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, of course. Is that why you call people a snake? I don't know. But, I mean, it was so... <laughs> it was... And I didn't even bother. I think they shed their skin. I think they... I, I don't know. Yeah, they do that stuff. So, anyway, it was very interesting. But I will say, the ride, because we took all the back way, you know, through Luzerne County, mm-hmm. all the way in the back. I don't know. Is Knoxon still in Luzerne County? Yeah, I think it is. I so don't know. It's, right it's not the far from Dallas, you know. I mean, right. so we were all on these beautiful roads. We stopped at Brace's Orchard. They have the stand there year round. Of course, mm-hmm. they're always at the farmers market, which will come up in a month now, and we'll start in a month um, down in you know North Scranton, and um, so so we stopped there and we got some apples and cider and it was so that was nice and then went for a beautiful ride. So it was it actually was very nice. Okay, so you'll be going next year. <laughs> I'll go again. I mean, if I, I, it was only because I know what it is. It, it's I'm not afraid of it. I was more fearful than I was anything because Maya was like, "Don't wear open toe." I said, "It's hot out. I'm wearing sandals." Mm-hmm. But the guys in the pit, of course, had like boots up to yes. their knees. Yeah. Um, Even at that, I don't understand why they. I don't understand why. I think people are just they would go into it and just stand there and pick them up with the. And they do. They pick them up with this little contraption and they hold them in their hand. It's. Okay. It was scary at first, but now I'm not scared anymore. See. Well, that's good. That was probably what the intention was to stop the fear. Yeah, it was. It was a scary thing. I'd still be afraid if I saw one somewhere. Oh yeah. Like. Yeah, I'd be running the other way. Yeah, but it was interesting nonetheless. So, that's what I did on Father's Day. 
Okay. And my son, Thomas, was in all weekend. Yes. So we had a very nice, as you know, we were out on Friday night at Russell's mm-hmm. with the DiNapoli family, the Gilmartin family, the Bastoki family, and the Cadden family slash Foley, all at out dining al fresco at... Um, uh, Russell's. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it nice? It was nice. It was Beautiful a perfect evening, evening uh-huh. for being outside. And the food, I thought, was really good. Yeah, so really we had good. a lot of fun. So it was good to have my boy back home for mm-hmm. even for a short period. We first dropped him off at the... Um, the Scranton Airport? Yes, he okay. left from the Avoca. And mm-hmm. I said, Tommy, see, there are, there really is some virtue of leaving from a small town airport because, look, at, you're here less than 45 minutes before your flight's yeah. going to leave, all because I was a little delayed. And you don't have to go through all the craziness. Like, So there yeah. are some virtue because, yeah, okay, Mom. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so, that's, so it was very nice to have my boys both home and the other little boy has gone to dc for a couple days so mm-hmm. okay so now is I'm, he making any progress on the job pursuit? yes he is two things are happening which we should know very soon good glad mm-hmm. to hear that again i told him relax it, you're only it's your gap year. you're taking it easy and you'll you know you, next year you'll be in law school just chill out but he doesn't like it. He's fidgety like me, so he mm-hmm. has to. But he, yeah, two things are on the horizon, so we'll see. Well, I have to do a definite shout out to, to some people that I've wanted to do this for for a while, and I keep forgetting. Uh, it's a restaurant that opened in Clark Summit. They've not had their formal um, opening. They did what they call a soft opening mm-hmm. about a month ago, and it's a place called Abiaco. And the translation of that word in Italian is, and you will love this, the drowsiness that follows eating a big meal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Abiaco. And so. Where is it? It is <clears throat> on Northern Boulevard. Yeah, is it where the directly old, yeah, where the, We're not in company next to Woods and Company? Right. Next door to Woods and Company. I saw that, and I wondered how you said the name. Okay, because I just went by fast. and So it's sort of opened? It is open. It's been open full time. But what I love about it is they have family-style dinners. And they have um, the kind of thing where it's for four to six people. You choose one kind of pasta and then th- from three sauces. And they will put the sauces out all together if you want them to separate them. And then they serve it on a pasta with it and bread and all the other usual Italian junk and things, garden yeah. salad. And it's it's wonderful. But I've been going there for lunch because I absolutely love their salads. All their food is extremely fresh and made that day. There's nothing canned about it. I had, Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. I had um, a, a baby spinach salad with roasted chickpeas and sliced parmesan cheese with a citrus lemon vinaigrette it was delicious i've had that twice since i've been there mm-hmm. it's really really good food and how did you know to go there because it was just there and i thought oh it's a new name let's try it so instead of going to lunch at some of these other places we always go to i thought maybe there's another option here and there is and boy is that good and That's they did good. a nice job inside and then i talked to the woman who owned it and I, then i understood why everything was the way it was her name is Rose Fazio, but her maiden oh, name... Oh, God. Her maiden name was Brutico. Oh. 
Yes. But Fazio, I'm laughing because you're calling her Fazio, like Patrick says. And in Scranton, we say Fazio. Exactly. So that's why. I'm, it's, did you tell her that Patrick's mm-hmm. relatives or yes. his mother or whoever it was? And apparently they're not related. No. Um, even though but they. who was Rose? No. Who is she to the Bruticos? I don't remember. Anise? Anise? Okay. Anise. I think she said her father worked there, and so she learned a lot of the recipes. Oh, well, that's really cool. That's why I'm saying it's good stuff. And how long is she open? What's her, what are her hours? Uh, Let's see. Monday through Thursday, 11 to 8, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 9, close Sunday. Very nice. Well, good luck to them. I hope it works, because for whatever reason, that location. I know. Everybody said that, including her. You can see it. It's so visible. Yeah. But they really did a nice job with it. It's nicely decorated inside. They have lovely curtains, draperies on the window. So it's really nice. All right. Well, we'll have to go someday. It's a good, good thing. But I love the name. And how about the iced tea? Fresh brew. All right. That's all that matters. And I told her that. I I can't even suffer through something awful as long as the iced tea (laughs) is good. It's like, you know. Well, I was at Ale Mary's last night. Oh, yeah, they people love it there. I've never been. Well, they don't not. have fresh brewed iced tea. I oh, well, did you so yell at them? I'm writing that one off. Dear God. Okay. What is wrong with... Oh, here we go again. Let's go on. How... I'm, I'm going to... Too bad. I'm saying it. What does it take to boil water, put iced tea bags in there, and lemon and ice? That's all you need to do. Never mind that stupid nest tea tapped garbage. You know what? It's garbage. horrible. Yes, I know. Somebody um, Facebooked me the other day, and they said, they messaged me on Facebook. It was one of them, and I didn't see it because it was a while ago. And I guess I said something, and they wrote, they said, here's what you said. Are you, is this called (laughs) self-censorship? And I said, I guess so, because I don't even remember saying it. (laughs) But it's just, come on, make the tea. Make it right. It amazes me, these great restaurants who have tapped iced tea, and then you go, go to these little little mom and pop places and they have fresh brood. Come I know. On. How come? Yeah, let's How go. Come? Get with the program. Okay. Anyway, we are going to take a fast break and we will be right back. You're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Laurie Cadden. And I'm the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And my name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. And I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. And that book? Uh, Well, nah. Yeah. Why not? Uh, well, we're doing a book signing tonight, this evening. Which but is, but you when you listen to it, it'll, it'll be, be over, over. So, which is good because yes. I, and I like the whole concept of it. I do too. Right? It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's at Nada and Company, You're where right. a few million people will be popping in to yes, buy Lynn's I think book. So, yes. Mm-hmm. And she'll be signing away. Um, and you'll do other ones. You're going to have a few other ones I have coming two, up, three right? Three other ones already so, scheduled. Yes. You know, if anyone ever wants her to come and sign a book, she'll her I'll book. I'll be happy to do yeah. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, but we should have a good time. We'll report next week. Yes, we will on the outcome. Mm-hmm. But do you know how many people are planning on being there yet? Well, it's a strange thing. If you look at the people who actually responded via email, mm-hmm. there's about eight. But if you listen to what Nada says, 
she expects between 30 and 50 people. Well, let's hope that's what happens. Well, who cares? The bottom line is, right, there's people there. They see it. They get to meet you. They get to see what your experiences are. And I I actually invited a a lovely lady to come. Oh, did you? Which hopefully she's, I mean, I have a few people coming, but someone else who I asked yesterday. Okay. We'll give a shout out. Mary Beth DeAndrea. (laughs) So she has to get her hair done first, and then she's going to stop. Oh, over. okay. How about that? <laughs> That's good. That's good. That'll work. Yeah. So, and this week, as you're listening, Meyer and I will be joining the DiNapolis for a little weekend adventure at the Lake Wampapac mm-hmm. on the new boat. Oh, man. I can only imagine. What? You mean a good way or a bad way? No, if a spider comes near oh, me, Oh, will I'm going... you stop with the spiders? <laughs> well, Lynn, was that thing the size of a quarter or what? Yes, it was. It was a big thing. But that's because that boat sat out there uh, without its roof on the entire time. So all of them come along and they just kind of make it their home. I guess. I don't but like But this them. one's they been covered. To... Can you arrest them for trespassing? No. I don't like them. Oh, God. Marie, it landed right here. <laughs> and I looked down and went, ah! And I yeah. screamed and it flew. And then I don't know where the heck it went, but I was scared. Screamed. I almost jumped off the boat. So. <laughs> it was pretty scary. But anyway. The rest of us were looking at her like, oh, what's her yeah. problem? <laughs> Did yeah. she all of a sudden just freak out? Yeah, it was scary. Yeah. And how did you do on uh, Sue Henry? With Sue Henry? I thought I did extremely well. I didn't get to listen, so I'm not sure. I think it went very well. Sue and I had a lovely conversation. Mm -hmm. Were you here live and in person? Mm -hmm. Okay. Live and in person. We did it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was she easy on you? Very. We just say it's not hard to do. That's our Sue Henry. <laughs> I did a shameless plug, as she said. Yes. Shameless About plug what? for our show. Uh, well, of course. So, I would hope. Yeah, so that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at something I thought would be very relevant to this time of year since everybody's graduating. Five things every new grad needs to know about money. Oh, boy. Yeah. So let's just lay this on them and see if what they think. <laughs> money isn't one size fits all. Our motto is that personal finance is personal. In other words, there are no hard and fast rules that work for everybody. Instead, you have to learn basic financial principles, such as spending less than you earn. Now, there's a good one. To make the right choices for your own situation, regardless of what others are doing. Number two, time is your biggest money ally. And we all know that story about the compounding effect of interest. So when you start saving in your 20s, what you're going to have in your 60s will blow you away. So the idea is that if you can start, if you're in a position where you are offered to participate in a 401k plan, even in your 20s, do Do it. Do it, yeah, that makes sense. Really do it. And the third one was ditch the Joneses. That is keeping as up in with, keeping up yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, these professors who were writing this article said at the start of each semester, the professors ask their class if they think most people are financially successful. And the students overwhelmingly say no. If most people aren't financially successful, then it makes sense to stop doing what most people do. Just because everyone else is getting a new car every five years doesn't mean you should. Number four, talk money with loved ones. You know, that's still one of the weird things about our society is that 
people don't it, there's like a taboo against discussing money mm -hmm. no one will ever when you're in conversation with people no one will ever say how much they earn they will never talk about what they paid for a car unless it's a great deal then they'll Why? talk about it i don't it's it's part of the victorian stuff that we brought over with us from from england that it was just considered to be poor taste to discuss your personal finances and so that has carried on all through our society and it's just i don't know why people need feel that feel the need not to say things to people because i think it's important it's helpful it really is helpful but you don't say how much did you pay for the house you don't say how much the mortgage balance you never talk about those things and every time i listen to people speak they they talk in vague terms about money um, well she makes something it's it's good salary but nobody ever says i oh, was making 75,000 a year anyway yeah that's what i'm so. saying so it's just i don't understand why people just still have this horrible reluctance to talk about money and that carries through in generations as well parents don't talk to their children about their financial situation children don't talk to their parents unless they want money and then they'll well what about the allowance i just gave you last week oh that's gone Okay, but don't you think a lot of times parents with with children? I mean, you're talking older children or younger children. What older what children saying? is what I'm yeah, suggesting here? Yeah, because you don't here. want to burden your children with your fears no. of financial stuff while they're little. It just puts stress, undue stress, on them. It's not their responsibility to be worried about your financial well-being. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that's a scary thing for for a child. Did your parents discuss anything well, in front I, of you? They never discussed it, but I, I realized what was happening because by default, things were occurring in our lives, you know, like moving and having to get out of here and go to there. And uh, there was a lot that went on. Like, that's part of what I talk about in the book in the very beginning, that day that the bankers yeah, came to the right. house. That was a very... Life-altering. Wow. Life-altering yeah. is exactly the term. Mm -hmm. Life-altering. Because at that moment, I realized that things were not what they looked like. I mean, living in that beautiful house, it was a wonderful Victorian home, and it was just the house I grew up in. I didn't right. know anything else. So to say, have somebody say there was a distinct possibility that you could have lost the roof over your head, but nobody and ever how told old us. You? 16. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary, mm -hmm. but it all worked out okay. But the point was, I never knew that that was going on because once my grandfather passed, and that was his house we lived in, we did, we never knew as children how bad the situation was. Mm -hmm. But okay, we learned, and and as a result of that, I now do what I do. So if I didn't do, if I didn't go through that, I don't think I would have been moved into what I'm now doing. So there's some value to that, even though in the moment it may not have looked like it was a good thing. So the point that this college professor was making about it was um, they talk about discussing relationships. And the reason is you can't divorce your life from your money. Your finances bleed over into your spiritual, social, and relational life. As a result, students learn to openly discuss financial goals with siblings, parents, and partners. One undergrad even told the money professors that when her boyfriend proposed, her answer was yes with a caveat. He had to take their class first. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of women would probably like to know what the finances are that they're walking into. 
but whatever. Number five, expect to make mistakes, but don't make mistakes of not having a plan. Most people spend their 20s messing up their money, their 30s trying to figure out what they did wrong, their 40s trying to dig out of the hole, and then their 50s trying to catch up for retirement. That's a pretty accurate, <laughs> very <laughs> accurate way. Yeah, because I'm thinking each one you're saying that, yep, 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 and yep. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yep. yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, all right, so we make mistakes, but he says, but if you focus on money now, you avoid having to focus on money later. Now, remember, he's addressing um, college graduates. So he said that's why he recommends uh, grads arm themselves early on with a personalized financial plan to guide them through the decades. You might still mess up in your 20s, but you'll have the information you need to change course quickly so you can spend your 30s building wealth instead. Good tips for the grads. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, you asked me before about what did I talk about with Sue Henry this morning? Yeah. Well, for those of you listening, you would not have heard it this morning. I, I was live here with Sue on Thursday of this week, this past week. So we talked about some of the, the chapter titles because she wondered what was what was in the book. And I said... She just, she just let herself right into the perfect segue for me because she said when she looks at the title of the book and she sees the word fear, she doesn't even want to touch it. And I said, you have no idea how much I struggled with that because the first editor that I spoke to Told said not exactly to what she said, mm-hmm. that if you see the word fear, you run the other way. And I said, but I, I made it the subtitle so that it was the, the first part is power of the purse. That's a very positive thing. Right. So I said, then every one of the chapters would then follow on the fear aspect of it. So I said, I titled them, No Fear About Budgeting, about retirement, about marriage, about being a widow, about job loss, about divorce, about giving to charity, and about investing in retirement plans. So that I think that that will pull people in to get the idea that there are all these different topics. These are the things that make women go nuts when they think about them because they just can't imagine that they can even comprehend what the, the issue is, let alone what the solution is. So we talked about that, and then we talked about the fact that at the end of every chapter, there are um, at least three what I called action steps, but they're more like baby steps with the idea that whatever was the chap whatever the topic was of the chapter that there are three very simple little ideas of things you can do on that subject so that you can move yourself forward with the idea that you know if you can chunk everything down into little pieces you'll make a lot of progress so that's some of the stuff we talked about it it was fun we had a good time <laughs> and was she being um, I can't playful she, with you or was she what was she being playful with you oh yeah we had a good okay. time yeah, she's, she asked me what are some of the things that people should know and, and uh, that they don't do but they should do. So we talked about some of those things, especially with women, about um, not knowing what their personal financial situation is, even if they're married. It's like the husband handles that. They don't know. And I said, then you find out the wrong times. You find out when you're a widow. Find out if you're going through a divorce. You find out if you're at retirement and you thought you were going to do this, that, or the other thing, and uh, there ain't no money there. So it's it's one of those things. I said, you, you want to know about it before you're forced to have to deal with it, and then you find out that 
it's not what it appears. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. Yes, we will. And we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I am fine. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising, PR, and special event business. And our guest this morning from Fidelity Bank is Marie Began, who is a senior risk officer. She manages the commercial credit and loan administration function of the bank, including documentation and reporting functions, the compliance function, and collect and monitor information for the bank's risk management management platform. She joined Fidelity Bank in 2010 as a credit analyst and in 2011 she was promoted from her present role as vice president credit and loan administration manager where she distinguished herself with excellent leadership guiding the consumer and commercial credit functions to their present success. Prior to joining the Fidelity team Marie gained banking experience over seven years as a credit department manager and a commercial lender. She spent a nine-year career in loan documentation with a local law firm. She was a real estate agent, and she worked in bookkeeping for a local business. She holds both her undergraduate and master's degrees from the University of Scranton and currently resides in Archibald with her husband and two children. Welcome, Marie. Hello. Hi, Hi. Marie. So, there's one thing that, well, before we get into all that heavy stuff, <laughs> she was just sharing with me before um, we, op- we were on air about the fact that her daughter uh, just graduated from high school and has how many days before she has to go back? She has, uh, she'll be leaving for college in four days. Yes. <laughs> she graduated last week. She graduated last Thursday and she's leaving Sunday for school. Where is she going? She's going to Penn State's main campus, main University campus. Park. Yeah. She's taking the summer session. So a little adjustment for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My she's first one. Oldest? She's yeah, my oldest and my first hard. one. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm going to give you a little advice Uh-oh. because Joanne okay. Framiati said this to me a long time ago. When I first went to college, I was heartbroken. It was uh, devastating. Mm-hmm. And she said, Laurie, just let me tell you something. When they leave, it is the hardest, worst feeling you can you can have. Like, I could sit here and cry because I, I can feel that feeling. Mm-hmm. And she said, and when they come back for Christmas vacation, you will not be able to wait for them to go back to school for break. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. Oh. And it is the so the truth. <laughs> because they start that little bit, Marie, prior to going to school where you want to just... Yeah. And that's because I think they're building the way for them to separate from us. Yeah. And then when they go, you're like, oh, my God. And then you get into a different group. Yes, and then yes. they come back and you're like, oh, you're back. <laughs> So, but trust me, you, trust me, when Christmas comes, call me, will you? I, I will. I definitely will. Well, I mean, she's very, very excited to go. So for me, 
it, that's taking a little bit of the, the, the pressures off this because I know she's How going to a place she, she really wants yes. to be at. So. Yeah, that's and great. it's not that far if you want to yes. go down on the weekend or yes. whatever. That's yes. a good thing. Oh, they won't okay. want to go on the weekend because the Penn dorm State? is no, the dorm is not air conditioned. Oh, Can you stand man. it? Oh, no. How's oh, that man. even possible? Be a new experience Osha. for my daughter for sure. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. They're upgrading, but slowly at the campus. Oh, so. man. Well, yeah. that's okay. So how did you get into banking? You told me that the minute you stepped off the campus, you were I did. I had my very first job. Out of, mm-hmm. from the, I was an economics and finance major at the University of Scranton. Mm-hmm. And my first job back then, in the day, you know, the campus used to set up interviews. I'm sure they still do that today. They'd set up interviews with you for in your majors and things like that. And uh, First Eastern Bank, which is a bank that was oh. eventually bought out by PNC. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, there was First Eastern and Northeastern were the mm-hmm. two banks back then and locally. And they were interviewing on campus. And I got a job as a credit analyst. It was a trainee position as a credit analyst. And um, I've been in that commercial credit world since then. And I, I was off a little bit. I had a little hiatus raising children and that kind of thing and came back um, full-time to Fidelity in 2008. 10 and um you know it's been exciting to be back I've, i missed it even though i was doing other exciting things yeah but it stays so. in your blood banking doesn't it does it? i no think matter it does. what you just you just it's, it's been just... A, always been a like mm-hmm. like a it's always been my uh interest even mm-hmm. like in in college you know economics and finance major got my master's degree while i was i got married while i was getting my master's degree at the u too and um i don't know it's just always been something in me you know so. That's a good thing. And how about all of the compliance regulation and everything that has changed now, Marie, and all the things, the differences yeah. in, 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 in all of these things that people now have to comply with sure. or that they may have had to before, but now yeah, you really have to. I mean, it's, there's a lot world. of paperwork. It's and, a different and, world. And, yeah. It is. And a, a lot of what has been driving our compliance, you know, uh, banks are, you know, we're federally regulated right. we're we're insured by the FDIC so we have a lot of rules and regulations to follow from the consumer and the business side and um, a lot of the changes a lot of the pressures that we feel today are have come from the debacle of the big banks just a few years ago and a lot of you the know, two big to fail banks the two mm-hmm. big to fail yeah. banks those banks have mm-hmm. have have really put laid pressures down in the industry now that the, the, the you know the, the regulation that's coming from the government is so strong and so um, unwavering yeah. it's, it's just an unwavering thing there's there's nothing you must comply it's just a situation where you know there's some things are finable some, so one of the things that I manage is um, I work with the chief operating officer to help manage the risk of the bank and there's risk in all different areas but one some of the areas that we have heavy risk is in lending in, in commercial lending in particular and in, regu- in compliance regulation because those kinds of things um you know they can they can hit our bottom line they can cost to make money so we yeah. really try to keep control on the risk of those kinds of those kinds of things so in your time that's from 10 2010 to now have you seen a dramatic increase in the the costs associated with compliance with being compliant yes there there is quite a cost associated and and it because there's there's from from staffing additional mm-hmm. staffing to be compliant to systems new systems to be compliant yeah. um, paperwork it, it, it it's very costly and Fidelity Bank is a community bank, mm-hmm. and we're, you know, almost 
one of the few out there anymore, right? That's so we're right. it's it's even more a lot more pressure on a community bank because we don't always have those those resources to put into that. So it is you know it for for community banks or for a bank like Fidelity, we we work we try to work smarter, not necess- efficiently, not necessarily mm-hmm. harder, but smarter. So when it comes to compliance things like that, there it's a huge investment for the banks. It does it definitely is a lot more cost. Okay. Um, Marie, are you, does your bank have, still have, because I don't know if they, they do this anymore, where I used to do commercial lending for, a, when I moved to Philadelphia, I, I managed a branch, and at this bank, which was Jefferson Bank, which I absolutely loved, it, it we as branch manager had to do everything from yes. mortgages to commercial lending yes. to consumer lending to everything. Right. Um, so we used to have loan committee weekly where we mm-hmm. would bring our loan and all of the necessary paperwork to go along with supporting it to get it approved. And we'd have to pretty much sell our client to the bank for them to agree mm-hmm. that this was going to happen. Does that still take place in your bank or is it more e- emailed and paperwork sent that way? How does that work now to get something approved? It, it depends on the, if for at Fidelity Bank, I can only speak, you know, obviously for Fidelity Bank, but at Fidelity, um, it depends on the size of the loan that you're looking for. Um, a lot of our, the, the nice thing about Fidelity and its community, uh, being a community bank, all of our decisions are made locally. Mm-hmm. We have committees and we have boards, but it's all a local decision. Only over a certain dollar amount does it need to go all the way up the, the chain of command for approval. Okay. Um, a lot our branch managers really do, our branch managers, our mortgage originators, our commercial lenders, they're they're all ser- all servicing. You know, they, they can take care of any of the borrow the customer's needs um we uh, oh, our decisions are really like pretty quick when it comes to a loan decision mm-hmm. um in fact one of the things that we were um talking about earlier is fidelity just launched a new program in commercial lending um it's called the five-day business guarantee mm-hmm. um, and what that means is that we will guarantee a decision on a business loan within five business days right. actually right now i mean we're actually beating that we we decision loans very quickly at fidelity and um but we do guarantee to the commercial borrower uh, the business borrower that we would get them a business loan within five a decision within five business days um the parameters of that are you know the loan has to be uh no more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars with a relationship of no more than a half a million dollars and that's that may seem like a lot to the regular consumer but to a business borrower yeah. that's probably about average yeah. right mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. you know for for our business our business borrowers it's important that you know a quick response time is crucial to them because their business can't just stop and wait for the bank to come back with a loan decision right. we need to get back to them quickly so that is one of the things that we pride ourselves on at fidelity is being able to make those decisions locally and be able to make those decisions quickly and i don't think really that's any kind of guarantee that's offered by any of our comp- our competitors at this point that's wonderful. Well, once you get past that number, you said two fifty to five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Then, what's the average turnaround time for a larger loan, like a million dollar loan? Well, we meet weekly. Mm-hmm. Okay. We meet weekly. Um, we have loan various loan committees weekly based, and loans need to go to different committees based on the loan amount. Okay. Um, so, if it's anything over that, 
within a week's time, it's not unreasonable to think that you're going to get an answer on a larger loan. But what about all the documentation that's required? Uh, it, that's assuming that you've got everything you need to make that right. decision. That is assuming that. Now, okay. there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things, documentation that is required for any type of loan, really. Dodd-Frank, which is part of the uh-huh. Reg B, right? Uh, uh, regulation um, really has dictated a lot of what is now required documentation wise they've done it on the consumer side um, but even on the commercial side we you know we there's certain things that we need to make that decision so once we have that full completed package that's where our guarantee comes into play once we have everything we need to make that decision we're going to get that decision to you quickly okay. so there is a lot you know we're looking at business tax returns maybe po- possibly personal tax returns um, a, maybe a business plan depending on the request maybe projections if it's a startup things like that so those those types of things are things that we look for everything that the things that we look for are different based on the loan request itself Mm-hmm. So we kind of have it in commercial lending. It's not as cut and dry as and black and white as it is in the consumer side of the bank. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of moving parts and we may be asking for different things from a borrower. So once we have all of that, that's where we start to put um, our powers in motion and make those decisions quickly. Wasn't there something a couple of weeks ago that I remember hearing about um, some legislation that was trying to get passed to uh, remove the Dodd-Frank requirements from a lot of the community banks. Yeah. What's the status of that? Do you know? I, I don't know the status of it. I mean, I think that it it would be um, great if that happened. Oh, it's I, so it's, onerous to you. They're, I mean, they're, it's, it's ridiculous. You should be held to the same standards as a Chase bank. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's insane. But Especially you still have to do We it. didn't make the, those same lending no, decisions you did, as right. those larger banks did. I mean, and honestly, at Fidelity, we still, with Dodd-Frank in or out of play, we still do the same underwriting that we've always done. We've yeah. always done that same type of underwriting. Our, our, our customers understand it. And they know why we're asking because we have great lines of communication with the customer. And mm-hmm. I mean, for us, you know, it, it is it's tedious. Yes, it's tedious. But it would be great if they would lay back that, that, that nice. regulation. Sure, on the on the community banks. Yeah. Well, Marie, could you tell the folks out there if they're interested in talking to anyone from a commercial land, sta- loan standpoint or anything that Fidelity might be able to help them with, the phone number and the website? Well, uh, the the website is bankoffidelity.com. Um, what they can do is for any type of loan, whether it be a consumer loan or a commercial loan, they can stop into any branch. They can talk to the branch manager. They can talk to our relationship manager, uh, our commercial relationship managers. A lot of them are housed in our branches. Mm-hmm. So they can stop in any branch to talk to anyone. All they have to do is ask about the five-day guarantee. Okay, great. All right. And that number is 57, I know, 570 <laughs> I don't know. it. I don't Here call them go. often. I do so. see you don't call <laughs> right. yourself. I call the time. Well That's the number. Well <laughs> Take done. that Dan Santanello. I know the number. <laughs> there we go. Well, Marie, thank you very much, and good luck to you and your daughter. Why, thank you. And we appreciate you listening. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Be safe and be nice. Bye-bye. Bye. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.